That's What She Said is brought to you by Audible. Head to audible.com slash she said for your free 14-day trial and free audiobook credit. And this episode is brought to you by Netflix. Head to netflix.com slash TWSS for your 14-day trial and start watching your Office episodes instantly. And this episode is brought to you by the letter E. Hey, this is Oscar Linez, and you're listening to That's What She Said. That's What She Said, Episode 72, Company Picnic. Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so... That's what she said! <laughs> Suicide doors on my 57 Chevy Roll around town like a hero I got you on my mind Just like all the time Pedal down, nowhere to go And welcome to episode 72 of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award-winning NBC show, The Office. As always, I'm your Human Resources Coordinator, Matt Summer, and this week we're going to be taking an in-depth and spoiler-filled look at the 26th and final episode of Season 5, entitled Company Picnic, which originally aired Thursday, May 14th, 2009. Papa Don't Preach. It's time for the annual company picnic, and Michael plans to finally make his move on Soup Snake Holly Flax. Slummed under Mifflin Air? No highly choreographed Indian dance number at the end of this one, I fear. Meanwhile, Rolf rips Angela a new one. Charles Minor hates Jim, still. Pam is surprisingly awesome at sports. Stanley drinks. Phyllis sits. Dwight stalls. And a potential Jambino rears its sure-to-be impossibly cute head. Is it time to strap on the water skis? Office, don't fail me now. Lots to discuss, lots to talk about. Let's head on over to the water cooler. It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage, because I bring my own water to work. Why'd you do this? I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So what do you guys hear? What's the scuttlebutt? Hello, baby! So, uh, joining me at the water cooler again this week is our traveling salesman, my dear friend, the curmudgeon Kevin Crossman. How's it going? Oh, Matt, the old comedy team is back together. <laughs> but before we, before we start, I have one question to ask you. How many shows need to be hurt by pregnancy storylines before we learn a valuable lesson? One, <laughs> two, three, no, four? No, wait, hear me out. <laughs> Five? <laughs> Oh, geez. Yeah, you know, here we are, Kevin. Season finale, of course. Comedy Picnic, and it ties up a lot of loose threads uh, from the beginning of the season with Michael and Holly. We get a little bit of resolution. Well, not really, but a return of Charles Minor back to the show after a few episodes. And we end with the obligatory season cliffhanger. And uh, before we get into talking about the cliffhanger, Kevin, I want to say a few things. First... I think this episode had one of the best cold opens, I think, ever of the season, uh, of the series. And I don't usually get hyperbolic about this, but I really thought that was an awesome, awesome cold open at the beginning of the episode. Now, 
it had absolutely nothing to do with the the rest of the episode and whether it really deserved to be here with the 21 minute running time i guess we can debate about but what do you think about mm-hmm. that cuz i thought that was awesome well it was classic office prank cold open so that was always nice and it was kind of fun to see everyone getting involved i i did like the energy that aaron brought to that scene so mm-hmm. maybe her kind of different take on the receptionist could be useful in future episodes i thought it was interesting to see that jam was leading the way on here you know jim and pam were kind of the instigators and even dwight was coming along but you know we we've, we've seen at times people being antagonistic towards jim and pam but yet they're the ones here that are leading the charge to get out of work early so to speak and of course it was a great prank on michael uh, we got to see that he got his Sebring back, and uh, you know, so that was kind of cool. So yeah, it was it was a great cold open. I really did like it. And I do have to say that was a delicious looking chicken pot pie, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And then of, and of course we had the shortest credit sequence ever. In yeah, what was I think that was like three seconds. <laughs> yeah. Started out just like the first three notes of the piano music there, and yeah, and that's the, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Though I mean. This was a great cold open. It was a great prank. It was a great gag, and it was very reminiscent of earlier seasons. And just everything about it was great. You know, like the way you said, uh, integrating Aaron in there, integrating everyone working together. Just the way it ended, even too, with Dwight doing his little finger guns and then panning over to Jim doing the finger guns and everything. It was just, mm-hmm. it was great. You know, we said we like to see them coming together and working together. But it was like almost two minutes, and it was two minutes taken up of a season finale that. For the first time, I believe, since season one, it was only a regular-sized episode. I mean, Casino Night was extended. It wasn't an hour, but it was 40 minutes. And then the other ones have been hours, have they not? Yeah. And, of course, the bar has been set very high by those episodes. I mean, The Job and Casino Night and Goodbye, Toby are all among fan favorites for the entire series. So this company picnic did have a high legacy to try to reach, Unfortunately, <laughs> what are you saying, Kevin? Were, what are you hinting at here? Reactions were mixed, except on this uh, podcast, in which case the reactions were quite negative. Before we get any further, I do want to say there were a lot of things I did like about this episode. The cinematography, uh, the volleyball storyline, and Dwight in particular, I really did like. But I got to say, I was not pleased with the pregnancy storyline. Well, we'll get into that in just a second. But let me let's go back and talk about some of the things that we did like because I think that the ending, the finale bit there, the cliffhanger, I think it really tends to overshadow a lot of what happened in this episode. So let's take a step back. I really enjoyed. I got to say, I enjoyed seeing James Urbaniak, better known as the voice of Doctor Thaddeus Venture, perhaps on the Venture Brothers there stepping up as Rolf, Dwight's equally kind of demented friend. Uh, <laughs> it was a great character. You know, I, I, I guess we, you know, you could maybe say, well, we, we've already seen, like, Moe's and some of the other wacky stuff in there, but he was sort of like Dwight's equal, and it was kind of fun to see him in there, although I'm not too thrilled with the return of the Duangela romance, I guess. <laughs> and that seems to be his whole purpose for attending the picnic. I suppose. It was it was left a little unclear. I mean, is, is Dwight just at neutral don't pick on her or is he trying to get back in her pants we'll have to see what happens next year but I I did like that character too I I wouldn't be opposed to seeing him return on occasion Uh, I wouldn't have wanted to see more and more and more of this character in this episode I think what they showed was just about right and again I think it played well into the Dwight storyline into how he was really taking over in this 
volleyball game, which I really did enjoy. Well, that's the thing. You know, I've, I've said this a couple of times that one of my dream episodes is over the summer to see a Dunder Mifflin, like, corporate softball league or something. And I guess this is about as close as we're going to get. And they teased me by saying that they played softball last year. But here we are with, yeah, the corporate sporting event, which can only go badly. And it was a good, it was funny. There was some great moments in there, actually, some great stuff, like, with – Oscar uh, basically saying, you know, you two, why don't you get a room there with, yeah. with Dwight and Jim hugging after Jim spiked the ball down there to, uh, to much fanfare. So that was great. Like, we always like seeing them work together. It really would have been nice to see Jim get a little bit more of a victory over Charles Minor. However, I mean, Charles, again, still being the complete dick to Jim for no good reason, apparently. <laughs> and Jim got a couple spikes in there, but it was kind of even. And then, of course, pulled the... Pam's got to leave because she has a supposed injury card, which we'll talk about later. But, um, yeah, there are lots of character moments. The, the thing there with Phyllis, and, of course, you got a little bit of Meredith inappropriately dressed there. That's always <laughs> good for a laugh or two. And some of the stuff with Stanley, his line about Phyllis was, was funny. So, you know, there was good stuff in there. Other bits, Creed didn't really have a whole lot to do, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, based on... <laughs> I'm thinking of uh, beach games when he was eating raw fish. So I, I, I guess I'm glad yes. that we didn't have such ridiculous uh, lengths taken here. The one thing I want to do say, let's talk about Charles Minor here. Because the one, uh, as much as I like some parts of this episode, Kevin, i got to say that this episode felt like what I like to call a plot hammer. Which means that instead of the situations arising out of the characters, I felt that the characters were forced to fit into a certain situation. And in this mm-hmm. case, we had a lot of that going on. As you said, Charles Minor's dickery really served no purpose except to get and force Jim and Pam to get to the hospital, which then, of course, led to this discovery and the cliffhanger. Just over-the-top ridiculous, just asshole-ish. Uh, petty childish behavior which seems so crazy and the fact that again we see in the deleted scenes in fact a few more incidences where he rode Jim uh, and Jim just keeps taking it and taking it and and still no karmic payback Uh, they don't win the volleyball game at least there they would have something to put in his face Uh, maybe the lesson here is that all that stuff is insignificant compared to the joyful news of their impending child rather than wanting wanting him to spike Miner in the face. So I don't know. I, that was a little weird and a little cheesy that they built it up that way. And let's talk about a few nitpicks, I guess. I mean, on the one hand, it was kind of cool to see Pam kick ass. On the other hand, um, suddenly superstar athletic Pam Beasley. Where has this been the last five seasons? In fact, we've gotten specific mentions of the fact that she wasn't uh, into school, wasn't sporty, was like the arty nerd girl uh, mm-hmm. there. So that was a kind of a big nit to pick. And the portrayal was not believable at all either. Her form when her serve was looked did not look <laughs> realistic at all. And I guess they actually CG'd the the volleyball going oh, really? from her. You know, yes, caused me to think, wow, she is really athletic versus say, John Krasinski, when he's going up for the spike, seemed very natural. It would have been more interesting to see. I think that's the the weird thing about this season is just seeing him be so passive. And we, we've talked about that before, that we wanted to see him step up, and we thought that this was going to be the season where he stepped up. But they didn't really go anywhere with that. He was just very very much a passive character. And, uh, and maybe Andy was right, worrying about him being under Pam's thumb. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, not too much. Well, we haven't talked anything about that. We'll get back to the, the pregnancy thing in just a little bit. But um, what what did you think about the whole Ma- Michael and Holly reunion? Because I had, I'd gone on record the last couple weeks, Kevin, saying that uh, the Michael Scott Paper Company plotline had really erased Holly out of my memory. And I wasn't really that geeked for her to come back. Now, was I... <laughs> Uh, I'll talk about what I thought in a second, but what did you think about that scene? Was it satisfying to you? Were you glad to see her back? What did you think about it? Well, I was kind of with you on that one where I wasn't exactly yearning for her to come back, but when she came back and they started having those looks and talk with each other, it was like the old girlfriend who feels like a comfortable fit. I was in love with her all over again for that entire episode. She just seemed so cool. The chemistry with Michael was just perfect. And, of course, the way this was shot, very idyllic, this pastoral setting, they're laying in the flowers or whatever. It's very, very romantic, and these close-up shots were really sweet and endearing. And, you know, like I said, I fell in love all over again, but the way it ended, of course, Michael doesn't make a move. He just lets her go. She doesn't make a move. I actually kind of liked that, and I liked his little closing statement. Sometimes that comes off as the you know pontificating Michael. He talks about something he doesn't really understand, but I actually did like the storyline where someday she's with somebody, someday I'm with somebody, and then eventually it'll be perfect. I really liked that a lot. Well, this comes back, I guess, to me is kind of that the thing I was talking about with the plot hammer here, with this guy talked about this maybe being a little quick during lecture circuit that she has this new boyfriend so suddenly and then all of a sudden in this episode we're told that they're building a house together and uh, and all this kind of stuff is very very fast and very serious and i'm not sure if i buy michael being so philosophical about that he just seems so stoked about it and maybe it's because we've let so much time pass since they drove off and since he had his you know letter uh, he stole from her computer and everything else. It just felt like, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't see him being that mature of an individual. Now, would he chicken out? Maybe, I guess. And I, I, I hate to say this because I, it feels more to me like they had to do it this way because they know Amy Ryan is not coming back. And so they had to come up with a way to explain the fact that she really wasn't going to be mentioned anymore. You know, this is it. It's over with. She's gone. And so Michael just got really kind of adult and philosophical about it. Um, Somebody on the blog page, I'm not sure who, said something to the fact that this episode was kind of a bad season finale but could have served really well as a series finale because we see Michael having a bit of growth and, and we end on the kind of pregnancy announcement and that might have been a good way to go out. Oh, I don't agree with that. I think that you want something a little bit more concrete on the Michael storyline and Jim and Pam. Say what you will about that final scene in the acting and John Krasinski cheering up, but I want to hear some dialogue if this is the last bit of moment for these two characters. So I wouldn't be in favor of that. Well, Kevin, you and I are, are not experts on the U.K. version of The Office, but that scene, uh, from what I've heard and what I've read, is very reminiscent of a scene from that show where the Tim character tells, uh, confesses his love to the Dawn character. And, in fact, it's actually done a little bit better because one of the things that, again, if you want to nitpick a few things in here, in the UK version, they do the same thing where they go behind the glass, but the Tim character actually turns his mic off, and you see him turning it off, which explains why we get no sound. 
don't tell me that Jim and Pam weren't mic'd to be out there in the middle of playing volleyball, and suddenly they don't have any mics on inside the inside the you know the waiting room. They they played around that with Holly in the Crime Aid episode, if you recall, but mm-hmm. um, I guess not deemed important in this case. No, I think that that's a sloppy edit by the producers because yeah, you should have seen that. Um, they've picked up sound from people that clearly weren't Mike before. I don't know why would, this would be any different. Well, you know, among among my gripes with that scene, that uh, I'll add that one to the list. Thank you. Well, now, uh, Kevin, I think you and I are the only two people maybe on the planet that have concerns about this pregnancy cliffhanger. I, I've seen literally gushing, gushing reviews, uh, gushing blog posts of people saying how much they loved it. It was wonderful and emotional and, and teary-eyed, and they sold it so well, and it was so wonderful to see them so happy about this. I don't know, man. I gotta say, I teared up during casino night, I guess. I kind of got a little dust in my eye during uh, the job. Absolutely. Um, last season, not really that emotional, I guess, but I was just so excited about Goodbye Toby, and it was so fun. And and this just, I don't know, man, it just didn't hit me. It didn't hit me, and I think maybe that's why I'm a little concerned. We talked about this on the blog page, and I, I mentioned this kind of half facetiously asking that question, has the show jumped the shark? One of the signs of jumping the shark is adding a baby to a show. And like with having the two love interests get together, I mean, that's another kind of traditional jumping the shark warning sign and Mm -hmm. they kind of you know the office writers dealt with that well enough it's certainly not as exciting as it was back when they were kind of pining for each other but you know the show didn't die by having them get together what are we so concerned about here with the baby well for one thing there's not a long track record of shows that improved after the baby came and we look at mad about you as a perfect example or even a show like Friends, which the quality, I thought, throughout its series really was very high, even to the end. But Ross and Rachel had this baby who we hardly ever saw. And why? Because the show wasn't about a family. The show was about these six people and not really about their kids. And the office isn't about these families either. It's about the people in the office. And guess what? Last time I checked, babies don't come into the office. So what is the point of them having the baby if we're not going to see them deal with the baby? What are they going to open, you know, turn the Michaelscott Paper Company into a little daycare center? Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm sure they're <laughs> going to go for that too. You know, bring in, you know, baby, she'll come back. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Shows do not improve with the addition of these babies. And you know what? This whole season, you can go back to the That's What She Said archives. I've been in love with Jim and, and throughout this season. I've been in love with Pam throughout the season. I like these characters. I have enjoyed a lot of the jam moments that, that you sometimes haven't in recent episodes, but I do not like this turn of events at all. I'm very disappointed with the writers of The Office. We were completely set up for great character growth with Pam turning into a salesman. Uh, that would be a great new challenge. Lots of opportunity for her to grow as a character. We've been talking all season about Jim you know, getting to grow a pair, finally, maybe. <laughs> and there's a lot of opportunity for him to grow as a character, too, in the office where it belongs. I don't understand what this baby thing adds. 
and it's not some sort of stupid, oh, it has to be a wedding first or something like that. I just don't want to see them have a baby. It's not going <laughs> to add good, funny, office-related content. The highlight of this season wasn't anything to do with personalized. It was the office Michael Scott Paper Company battle. And right. it was an office storyline that we finally got back to after the, all the twists and turns of 18 million love triangles. And that was the highlight of this season. Now, unfortunately, we've set up season six to be yet another domestic season. Well, I think part of the reason maybe why I wasn't in love with that plot line is the fact that we've seen it so much already. We ended last season on a pregnancy cliffhanger. We um, got the baby shower episode this season. We got all this stuff. It feels like, I mean, what more can be done with it? We already got Hannah Smotridge Barr in season three with the breast pump gags, with the child, with with all that stuff. And I I can understand, okay, we were all really kind of worried about the wedding, when's the wedding going to be in? And so here they threw us this curveball in there to kind of maybe shake things up and surprise us. And you can argue, well, having a child, and I can't speak from personal experience, maybe you can step in there, Kevin, but... Having a baby traditionally is supposed to be something that makes you man up, that makes you grow up and get more serious about things. So maybe that will be an incentive for Jim to to kind of grow up a little bit. All I can say is I think people are just so thrilled with Jam and the idea of this little perfect Jam love child that I think that's all they're seeing right now. I think that's all that that's really seeing and all that people are seeing in their mind. And I agree. There's really nothing funny about this. And you can throw it in there. Yeah, it is an office, and so we're not going to really see it. Um, I'm guessing we're going to see lots of references to Pam being tired or lots of references to being up at night and how it's affecting their job performance and and maybe that kind of stuff in there. Um, I am, as you just said right there, I'm predicting right now an episode next season where Michael and Astrid and Jim and Pam's baby are forced to be together in some way. I think you're probably dead on with some kind of daycare idea. I can just see it now. On the other hand, I think the real reason why I didn't find this that impactful as some other people did is because I really thought that their reaction, they're, they're so super happy, really just so ecstatic reaction to the news. I know some people thought that was refreshing. They thought it was wonderful and just a sign of how much they love each other. It just seemed for a young couple that's just starting out, that just moved in together, that haven't really gotten to know each other that well as a couple that haven't even gotten married yet that to have them be so ecstatic about a child it didn't play that it didn't just kind of played false to me if we would have gotten like a season or two of Jim and Pam trying to have a baby and trying and and failing and and feeling bad and and really being depressed and sad and then all of a sudden just kind of out of nowhere the season ended like this that would have had just so much more gravitas for me it would have been so much more meaningful to me, I think, than what they came up with here. So, I don't know, man. I don't know what to say about this. I don't think this is going to wreck the show by any means, uh, but I agree with you. I'm not really sure what it adds to the show or to the characters, but I suppose we'll see, and I guess if maybe Jenna Fisher isn't going to be around, that gives her an out to not be in every episode next season. Yeah, that's that's a good choice. Now, but now, do we know that she's actually pregnant? I mean, well, we're assuming we're assuming a lot of stuff here, Kevin. Um, Could we assume some other things might have occurred? Well, Kevin, you know, we thought about this. You and I kind of sat down and we kind of came up with this uh, top ten list, Kevin, from the home office here in Racine, Wisconsin. Top ten <laughs> other things 
that the doctor might have told Pam instead of saying that she's pregnant. Now, a little drum roll here, please. Number 10, they just found out that their parking was indeed validated. Number 9, that special shampoo was 100% effective. <laughs> Number 8, her painting of the hospital just won an art contest. Number seven, Thunder Mifflin is prepared to offer her $60,000 in workman's comp. <laughs> Number six, he went to Jared. Number five, congratulations, Pam Beasley. You are a slum Dunder Mifflinaire. <laughs> All right, number four, yes, Parks and Recreation has been renewed for 2009-2010. All right, number three, Pam's ankle is fine, but the X-ray entitles her to a free dinner for two at Cooper's. Number two, Charles Minor has just been immolated in a bizarre grilling accident. And the number one alternative reason for Pam and Jim being so happy? The DNA confirms it. Pam is Creed's daughter. But I'm bummed. All right. <laughs> so let's uh, let's go ahead and get started. Let's talk about the credits here. The episode is written by longtime writers and producers on the show, Jennifer Salata and Paul Lieberstein. Salata has nine episode titles to her credit, including The Duel, Goodbye Toby, Launch Party, and Beach Games. Lieberstein, of course, aside from playing Toby Flenderson, has written 11 episodes, including Stress Relief, Goodbye Toby, Money, and the job. So there we have the same writing team wrote Goodbye Toby last year. Don't think they hit the same high note this season. No. And the episode was directed by Ken Quapis, who's directed 12 episodes, including Company Picnic, Lecture Circuit, The Job, and Gay Witch Hunt. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get started then on the Michael plotline. Well, here we are then, the annual Dunder Mifflin Corporate Picnic, and I won't get into the whole thing, the whole logistics as far as like where this is taking place and, and how all these branches that are so far apart are all coming here for the day. Michael is here, and of course his number one concern is that he's waiting for his partner in crime, that uh, the woman of his dreams that he last saw in Lecture Circuit and who didn't really quite get that closure that he was looking for. Michael, isn't that Holly? We're just friends. Hey, hey, wait a second. Who let you in here is what I want to know. Oh, no. I see they're letting just anybody in here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hey. You remember AJ, my boyfriend? A little bit. Uh, I meet a lot of people. <laughs> hey, Michael. Hey. Oh, so would you guys like some lemonade? Lemonade sounds great. Okay. I'd love a nice tea, actually. You can go to hell. <laughs> I lied to Kevin. Holly and I can never be just friends. I wrote down a list of bullet points why Holly and I should be together, and I'm going to find the perfect moment today, and I'm going to tell her. Number one, Holly. You and I are soup snakes. And the reason is because in terms of the soup, we like to eat. That doesn't make any sense. We're soulmates. Holly and I are soulmates. <laughs> so we're not usually a big fan of Michael's malapropisms there, but I got to say, I did enjoy his little bullet point gag there. We are, we're soup snakes, Kevin. That was pretty funny. And I thought it was interesting. Holly likes lemonade, but AJ wants iced tea. So it's an illustration of how AJ not quite <laughs> on the same page as Michael as it is with Holly. Exactly. And of course, this guy this guy looks exactly like Steve Carell, doesn't he? I mean, 
very similar feature. So well, it was I thought that eh, I think it's a bit of a reach for me actually. But you know, this is the thing about this AJ guy is we don't understand why he likes why he likes her or why she likes him. He's not an interesting guy. He seems like Michael is if they're so perfect together, he's not like that at all, or we've never seen him like that at all. And I I think the real well, I'll save this to the end, but I think kind of the real weakness of this plotline here is that Michael really has no reason to give her up. If he loved her, if he saw how much she loved him, I could see him being maybe magnanimous and saying, you know, I'll let her be. But, um, yeah, AJ's got nothing. And I like how he just kind of continuously, underhandedly rips on him during the course of this <laughs> scene. Um, you know, you can go to hell. <laughs> no, oh, I'm just ki- I'm just kidding. You know, uh, and then we'll play this in a second here, a little bit later. What he said, uh, how he, yeah, exactly, yeah, how he gets to him in a second there. So, I mean, there's the setup, and we haven't seen him since Lecture Circuit, and it really, ha- I mean, we gotta say that it hasn't been that long since Lecture Circuit. I mean, what could it be? It possibly a month, a few months. It hasn't been that long, but Michael hasn't been in contact. Well, no, he has because he says he emailed her, but. Obviously, they haven't gotten any personal information, so he wants to catch up with the loving couple and see what they've been up to. What is up with you two, Holly? Uh, Not much. We're designing a house. Cool. For who? For us. I'm designing a chair. It's part of your pants. Sit down. You're supported. I remember your chair pants idea. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Put me down for a pair. I'm a size 34 waist. All right, Patty. I will do it. You know what? We <laughs> should actually rehearse. Okay. Yeah. You guys are really going to do this. I bet your fat ass we are. Well, in his infinite wisdom, David Wallace has authorized us to put on a little presentation about the history of Dunder Mifflin. Yep. The old comedy team is back together again. That's right. <laughs> Have you heard the news? X-ray, X-ray, read all about it. Newspapers for sale. <laughs> and Michael, of course, was one beat a little too slow there with the rest of the, <laughs> the rest of the flow. Lecture circuit was probably in the January time frame based on the timeline because remember we had blood drive. Was a right, and it was winter. Frame, so. It was cold. So this, if this is May, that is more like five or six months maybe. So I guess there's been enough time here, but. I think it's interesting that she didn't mention the house, but AJ was right on there, Johnny on the spot. Oh, yeah, we're building a house. So, again, I get a sense from her that she doesn't want to explain too much about what's happening or she's not sure or something, and um, maybe that gives us a sense. We we didn't get a great insight into what was in her head this episode. Right, and that's I guess that's another part of the problem is that maybe maybe that's why Michael chickened out. Maybe it wasn't him just being a gentleman. Maybe he just didn't have the balls to ever say no to him. And at least this way, the hope is still there. She certainly seems like she's back in old, you know, the old form, just kind of goofing around and enjoying their chocolates. You know, like you said, they're sitting there laying down in the flowers and the grass, eating the chocolate-dipped strawberries. And how could she not possibly know that he still had feelings for her? In this weird, awkward situation, it just, like I said, it, it 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 felt more like, hey, we have to write this actress off the show than a natural progression here. But let's not get too distracted. So like you said, man, here they are. They have this nice chemistry. It was nice to see them again. Just her laugh and the way that they interact with each other is perfect. And, you know, I really enjoy Amy Ryan's portrayal as that character. 
And I guess I missed her as much as I said I didn't care about her. I Seeing her again here really made me kind of miss her again and now miss her even more that we won't be seeing her in the future. Well, never say never, I guess, but not anywhere as a regular cast member. Yeah, unfortunately. No, yeah. no Toby firing this this uh, this year. Dang. <laughs> I know you were and you were pimping that as a theory that you thought he was going down, but <laughs> I was hoping against hope on that one. Drats. All right. Well, so there they are as we said, they're laying out on the grass. They're all by themselves in a little secluded glade and you know, what are we going to do? So what do you have planned for us today? Hmm? What? Do you have a script for the sketch or um we could do a movie? sort of thing. We could do Back to the Future. Oh. We have to convince Dunder and Mifflin to go back in time, <laughs> fix their parents. <laughs> could we get a DeLorean? Jaws. They swim in the ocean and they terrorize the whole community. Oh. Dunder. 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 We haven't found our great idea no, yet. No. Oh. We're circling it. Mm. You know, that's a great line. I really like that line there by Michael. You know, we're circling it. Of course, this makes for lousy audio, Kevin. There's a lot of, like, really long pauses and soulful looks and stuff going mm-hmm. on there. And it, it was really building the tension. You know, building and building and building. And when's Michael going to make his move? And what's he going to say? And what's going to happen? And I thought that was a really nice line. Like I said, for once, he's actually a little uh, a little on the ball as far as what's happening. Oh, very poetic. We're circling it. I think it's a good metaphor there. And I liked some of the ideas for the sketch. I had, honestly, very high expectations for the sketch based on the previous sister with these two characters. Uh, you know, it's just a big Were those expectations met, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> well... Let's no, just uh, let David Wallace introduce the scene for us here. Welcome to the 43rd Annual Company Picnic, everybody. Thanks for being here. Now, a couple of employees have volunteered to entertain us with a song. Ah, uh, it's a sketch now. <laughs> okay. Introducing Scranton's Michael Scott performing with Nashua's Holly Flax. And now, Slum Dunder for one hundred dollars, where did Dunder meet Mifflin? Oh, I'm thinking. I'm going to say Tour of Dartmouth College. That is correct. How did you know that? No! Oh! Ah! I was there. Ah! I was a tour guide at Dartmouth College. No! I usually don't enjoy the theater, but this is delightful. You know, that, like you said, man, this was classic office, awkward, excruciating, not funny, uh, quote-unquote, humor. And I actually, I can't stop laughing when they do that fake <laughs> electrocution thing with the microphone. I l- actually really laugh every time I see that, but the rest of this was so just, oh my goodness, it was the epitome of the awkward, awkward, awkward humor. Well, there was a good payoff for me at the end, but leading up here, it was not good, and we'll talk maybe more in later in the episode here about Slumdog Millionaire, the original movie, but which I haven't seen yet, so maybe some <laughs> of those jokes went over my head, 
But I did really, really love the Stanley line there. Maybe he had something special in his lemonade or something. Maybe I should have had some of that special stuff in that lemonade, and I would have thought this episode was delightful, too. What, Kevin, but, you don't watch The Office Drunk? We have to communicate on this more. <laughs> so, yeah, I, want, I wanted more of whatever he was drinking. But, you know, so that was, a, that was a funny line. He was the only guy, apparently, in that entire gigantic crowd who loved what they were doing, and... I can't say I was with him. Well, I don't think he was enjoying the jokes. <laughs> More enjoying Michael fail, I think. But that's good old Stanley for you. So there we go. They continue on with their slum dunder millionaire. I guess parody is the word. Uh, although, yeah, little lacking in humor. They continue on here. And um, we can argue about this. We'll talk about this after we play the clip. But Michael in his sketch, inadvertently lets slip some very, very troubling news. The economic downturn has been difficult recently, forcing the closures of both Camden and Yonkers to be followed soon by what other branch? For $500,000, is it a Scranton? B, Buffalo. C, Utica. Or D, Toothbrush. I will say B, Buffalo. Final answer. That is correct. What are you talking about? How did you know that? David Wallace told me. David, is this true? Uh, okay, everyone, we're at a picnic today. Are we losing oh. our jobs or not, David? They didn't know? I guess not. I'm sorry. This certainly wasn't the time or the place to announce this sort of thing, but there have been talks about closing the Buffalo branch. And? We're, we're closing the Buffalo branch. You've got to be kidding me. You know, I like that little kind of double-take line there by David Wallace at the end. That was kind of funny. Kevin, I, I hate to toot my own horn, you know, how I am, but uh, did, you, did you catch my cameo there in the crowd? No, I didn't, Matt. Were you in there somewhere? Yeah, I was, uh, I was in the Utica branch when they shifted over to that. No, of course, let's just mention this right here. The, that's what she said gets no respect or love from the office producers, unlike a certain Jenny Tan, otherwise known as Tanster from Office Tally, who was right there front and center in the Buffalo shirt as part of that scene there. So congratulations to her. I imagine that would have been a very, very fun, very fun experience, and I would have given my left nut to be there, Kevin, but alas, (laughs) they did not come calling. Well, yes, that's true. Congratulations to the office tally. And I think that was a great way to end that segment. Of course, what was Wallace thinking telling Michael any special secret <laughs> information? I mean, exactly. you know, you have you, you, you got to blame Michael in some respects, but honestly, you have to blame Wallace on this one because he should know Michael well enough by now to not give Michael any super secret information. But I thought the reaction there by that guy in Buffalo we're the best branch. I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? And just the whole way went down and some of the comments later. I just this was just this was awkward but in a really funny awkward way. Well, really speaking of this. speaking of that obnoxious buffalo guy, I according to Wikipedia at least anyway, that guy if his reactions seem maybe a little over the top, he was played by a Conan O'Brien writer and actor. So he might be used to playing things a little broad. And in fact, if you watch the deleted scenes, he has uh, a scene in there where he basically has an Andy Bernard-style meltdown on the volleyball court. So you can get more obnoxious, <laughs> more obnoxious Buffalo guy 
if you want to click on the deleted scenes. I also really liked how at the end they did the bow and then the cut to commercial was just classic. And that <laughs> definitely got me rolling into the commercial there. But this begs the question, I think, how many branches does Dunder Mifflin have left? If they've got three branches closed, then this is going to be, is Franton going to be the last one? Uh, well, they're still profitable. You know, they'll never be closed. I think they laid that in there. Maybe that's the the last episode for real. The last episode, Scranton closes. Last episode. Well, that would be like a Mary Tyler Moore style ending where they close the, yeah. turn off the lights. The party's over. So yeah. there is their big faux pas, and as you said, kind of ridiculous that that uh, David Wallace would tell Michael anything, but such is life, I guess. And you know. Michael and Holly both kind of realize they screwed up and have that kind of final heart-to-heart talk where, Kevin, will they, will he finally make a move? Will he say it? (laughs) Probably shouldn't have mentioned Buffalo. How do you think it went before the Buffalo thing? I think it went well. I think it was good. There weren't any laughs. No, that was a tough audience. Yeah, but we wrote it specifically for this audience. Believe me, I have seen a lot of tough audiences in my time, and that was one of them. Well, I'm glad we did it. Too. We have a lot of good material for next year's sketch. I can't wait. What'd you think? I loved it. You know, there's a part near the end that seemed like that went on a little long, but... Well, you guys should hit the road before I close down another branch. <laughs> okay, so good to see you. Good to see you. I didn't find the perfect moment because I think that today was about just having today. And I think that we are one of those couples with a long story when people ask how we found each other. I will see her every now and then, and maybe one year she'll be with somebody, and the next year I'll be with somebody, and it's gonna take a long time, and then it's perfect. I'm in no rush. So there he is, Michael, suddenly the guy who was so desperate for love that he looked for a chair model. Is in no rush. So we've actually seen a lot of growth from him. Whether that has been shown on the screen, I don't know. Uh, But I'll leave it to you to decide. Now, what did you think about that final scene? I know you said you liked it, Michael, the Zen master. I thought it was great. Like I said, I really did like that. I I even liked how they shot that last conversation between the two of them. looked very much like a romantic comedy the way it was put together and the way she said I loved it, it just, I mean, I was almost welling up there, like, for him to go in there for the kiss, but it, alas, not <laughs> to be had. And I really liked the line, I'm in no rush. I wish they would have applied this line to another storyline in this episode, <laughs> but I think that does explain kind of where Michael's head is at. And like you were saying, he has grown a lot, matured a lot. He'll always be a certain type of character, but like you said, maybe he's not going to fall in love with pictures of women in catalogs. Yeah, that uh, I hope we might see that, although I don't know. Like I said, I'm not really sure he's earned this maturity this season, at least not on screen. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if they carry that through next year. I really, really don't want him to be hooking up with Jan again. That's all i got to say about that. Uh, hallelujah. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get into the rest of the Office plot line. We follow, of course, Jim and Pam as our two main leads as they are arriving for the picnic, and they're usually the snarky ones, of course, and definitely not too keen on the new picnic. All right, you ready for this? Yeah, we walk around, everyone sees our faces, and we leave, right? Yeah. Okay. Wait, should I have left the car running? (laughs) 
we like picnics. Come on, who doesn't like a picnic? Tell them what happened last year. I had this huge spider in my baseball mat. No, no, the guy who hit on me. Oh, right, some drunk guy hit on Pam last year. Said he was grabbing her for balance. Yeah, you don't grab these for balance. I'm gonna say 30. Ah, 40. Insect repellent, which clearly need, reduces the effectiveness of SPF. Good point, but I thought of that already. Combination SPF repellent. Whoa. Come in? Of course. You think the EPA would ever allow that much D? <laughs> Rolf is my best friend. We met in a shoe store. I heard him asking for a shoe that could increase his speed and not leave any tracks. Yeah, you know, Rolf is an interesting guy. I think uh, if he was really Dwight's best friend, we should have seen him before now, or maybe Dwight's just never had a friend until recently or something like well, that. Well, he might have just met him. <laughs> yeah. And I like the, the pan stuff there with the guy, you know, last year, you don't grab these for balance. It's always a good uh, reference. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny how, of course, Jim gives her a look like, uh, sure you do. And she gave him, again, another stare down and, and wiped the smirk uh-huh. off of his face. So Andy's right, man. Pam is browbeating him. Uh, so this next scene, then we get a little bit of scenes here. Pam and Jim showing up. We talk about the Michael stuff. Uh, we see the rest of the office. They're getting really heatedly involved in a in a intercorporate volleyball game with the winner to play the corporate team. And of course, Kevin's shirts to be purchased at NBC.com if you are so inclined. Uh, they're getting set up, and it's kind of a continuation on the earlier episode where we saw Andy kind of wanting to make a move on Aaron, he kind of steps in to Dwight to uh, work his little manager magic and put the two of them next to each other. And unfortunately, doesn't work out quite as Andy would like. What is up with you two? Listen up, everyone. I've gone over this lineup very carefully. We cannot forget the humiliation we suffered last year at the softball game with Jim's whole spider in the mitt incident. Right? Aaron, back row. Ryan, you move up a row. Brew me go. You think you could put Aaron on my row? Why? I don't understand. If, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I get it. You want her to set you up so you can spike it. Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to put you next to Phyllis. She's the best setter on the team. That's sly dog. Not what I meant. <laughs> So that's kind of a funny bit, and Dwight, of course, being clueless to sexual innuendo, which would have played a little bit better if he wasn't just three weeks ago talking to Andy about a little bit of blood rushing to his penis over Aaron. So you'd think he'd maybe be a little more a little more clued in on this whole thing. But that's the thing with Dwight. Like we've talked about this season, he goes in these really diverse directions. Sometimes he's Michael's lapdog, sometimes he's trying to organize a coup against Michael. He he becomes a character that the writers can kind of mold one way or the other. And like you were saying, one week he's totally hot for Aaron, next week he's completely clueless. She's there, you know, bending <laughs> over in her shorts. So, you know, that's all right. I'm, I'm willing to let that go. And it's nice to see Andy trying to do something. And, of course, you know, there's a volleyball game. There's always a chance for someone to lose their temper. <laughs> yes, and what better place to lose your temper than a game, and what better person to be there than Mr. Anger Management himself, Andrew Bernard. <laughs> now, that uh, as they're playing along, of course, it starts to break down. Dwight 
is the one that's the leader. He's the one that's in charge, and he starts to freak out because everyone is kind of crapping out on him and letting him down. And Phyllis, despite the fact that he said she was the best setter of anyone, lets him down most of all. Phyllis, why are you sitting on the ground? He's been out here for a while. I don't need this. <laughs> okay, hey, Pam, how you doing? Hey, do you know if you're right-handed or left-handed? Or do you even know? What hand do you use to answer the phone? Back off, Dwight. What? Maybe I played a little in junior high. And in high school. Maybe a little in college. And went to volleyball camp most summers. So a couple another good Stanley line in there. <laughs> the, the guy watching from the sidelines mocking everyone else. Ah, good old Stanley. Uh, well, I think that was a rib against Phyllis, which is always appropriate. I think that was funny. <laughs> the, the, the line, the, the way she delivered the line was really excellent, and then he just was laughing. He yeah, his wife there too, which is cool. So yeah, I like I like this this volleyball storyline. Although, again, as we pointed out, not believable when it comes to Pam. But Yeah, rewriting history as we go along, I suppose. Uh, that would have been something that you think would have come up previously. But it fits the plot, Kevin. The plot hammer yeah. has struck, <laughs> leading inexorably to the hospital at the end. I also like the line from Charles Minor, must be nice to get a rest from all your rest. <laughs> Stuff that's so bizarre in here. Like we talked about this, and I didn't. Ha- I don't have that in the clips. But yeah, he rips on Jim two or three times, like you just said there, and uh, all this stuff. And it's kind of funny because we never saw David Wallace really stick up for Jim. Uh, we never saw him get any kind of karmic payback for this. And here he is again, basically just giving Jim shit. Kind of like Rolf. Rolf kind of played the. Uh, the, the Greek chorus, I guess, to Angela's whorishness during this episode. And he had a few good lines in here. The one thing I had to say, I, I did enjoy those lines, Kevin, but if you remember, I was one of the people here that was complaining about the fact that there was no Angela payback when it happened. It kind of struck me as really weird that after like 10 episodes of them not even mentioning it, suddenly they're here and, and Rolf is ripping on Angela and calling her a slut and a whore and everything else. Um, I mean, did that not bother you at all? Did that not come up at all? I mean, it was a funny line. There were some good lines, and it was good to see her get shot down, but it just seemed kind of weird all of a sudden to come out of nowhere with this. Well, like I said earlier, if this is the closure to the antagonism and then we're back to kind of neutral territory, then this was fine. And this is the kind of closure we kind of tend to expect to get on a season finale. So if that's what this means, fine. If it means a rekindling of the old flame for next season, mm, not really what I'm looking for. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a listen to that then, what I like to refer to as a collection of Rolf's greatest hits. Ow, my ankle. What happened? I twisted it. You weren't even moving. I can play. Is there a narrative here? Yeah. Man in. Rolf, did you not hear me? I don't hear cheaters, tramps, or women who break my friend's heart. Nicely done. We're still going to crush you, though. Yes, we are. You suckers are going down, and they're going to wipe their asses with your serves. Piss all over your faces. Okay, Rob. That's true. Ah, this reminds me of the Atarkovitz in last fall. 
Oh, yeah, with Bernie and Ephraim. That was hilarious. Really, really funny. Really funny. Six to six. It's a nail-biter. Oh, Kevin! <laughs> now it's seven-six, or is that too much accounting for you? Here's an accounting question for you. What is one fiancé plus one lover equal? Answer, one whore. Okay, knock it off, Rolf. What? She's sitting there casting Ralph, aspersions please. on you. No, wait a minute. I'm asking no, wait, You don't Ralph, mean that. Leave it alone. So there we are, a few good singers in there, of course, the things that Dwight didn't say or that anyone said up until now. And as you said, I guess, we're studying the stage. Angela, you know, Dwight comes to her rescue, and so we get the little appreciative look again, mm-hmm. which... Dude, I'm saying they're going to do it again. They're going to rekindle it. They're going to do it. I'm sure they are. But, you know, maybe this was also a lesson for Jim. Maybe he should have gone for a little bit more of the wiping the ass and pissing in the face. <laughs> Advice there from Rolf. So that I, was I really that was disturbing, i got to say. <laughs> now, what did you think? Did you enjoy that scene there between the two HR luminaries, Flenderson and uh, and Kendall from corporate? That was, that was funny. It was a good callback. And, you know, <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> That was hilarious. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> maybe that sounded like you and I our reaction to this episode. Ah, <laughs> uh, good lord! All right, well, here's where everything kind of starts to avalanche down towards the uh, ending, the finale here with. Uh, with leading to the hospital. They're playing volleyball against corporate. They defeat all the other teams. Here they are. Pam, in her volleyball prowess, is destroying the corporate team. And, well, unfortunately, she has a bit of a fall. Maybe we shouldn't play due to the circumstances. Right. People need volleyball now more than ever. How do you figure? Because if we don't play, then the other team wins. Dwight's right. Corporate deserves to get its ass kicked. Let's do this. I got it. Pam. Oh. Oh. Spotted a small hospital a few kilometers south of here. Get her back as soon as possible. I'll stall them. I guess that's it for you, Jim. All right, you know what? Let's do it. We'll be back. Oh, man, I'm so mad that Pam got hurt. Ah! Ah! I'll get it. <laughs> so there's some comedy gold against some more visual stuff there with Dwight and his stalling tactics kicking the ball into the woods and then (laughs) moseying himself over to fetch it. Now, as much as, you know, as close as this hospital might be, really, this got to take you at least an hour to go through all that stuff. You're going to stall. That's a lot of stalling they got to go through. Well, and I guess there was some reference to don't put the subs in later in the episode where what if you got came out of the game, you couldn't come back in later or something, or I don't know exactly what that was all about, but... Yeah, they, you know, the stalling thing was funny. The, the white stuff was super funny with the stalling. But, again, Charles Minor being a dick here. Now, uh, Matt, we talked a couple weeks ago about that movie Obsessed that mm-hmm. he was the star, Idris Elba was the star of. And i got to tell you, I, I caught that movie this week. Watching that guy squirm like Jim has been squirming this past season was just great. So, 
that's definitely a film worth checking out. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to, to pay my six dollars to get my karmic payback. Apparently, on Charles Minor. No, you can wait for it to come out on Netflix. But any we'll talk about that later. But you know, I, I really like this stuff. Uh, you know, the, the the volleyball game. I just wish they hadn't tried, like you were saying earlier, to force the whole like Pam has to leave thing. Yeah. So there we go. They're they're off and they're gone and they're on their way to the hospital. Dwight and Rolf are sitting there. They show them like playing patty cake or something. Uh, for a while, everyone is getting kind of frustrated and, and flustered, and Dwight keeps calling Jim to check and see just how long it will be. Yeah, she's with the nurse right now, so you'll have to stall a little longer. Dwight, I don't know. Think of something. To be safe, we should do an x-ray. How long will that take? Well, it shouldn't be too bad. It's a slow day. So, no other radiation this year, no metal plates, no chance you're pregnant. I'm sorry, can we just hurry this up? I've got a game to get back to. Oh, good, because my next question was, do you have a game to get back to? Dwight, come on now. It's time to put in the subs. Yeah, it looks like Pam won't make it back. Okay, fine. All right. Hey, come on. Except you know what? It's not fine. How many people need to get hurt before we learn a valuable lesson? One, two, three, four. Dwight. No, no, hear me out. Five, six. Dwight. <laughs> seven. Can I finish, please? Okay. Eight. Oh, Dwight, we're so close. Just buy us a few more minutes. Well, they just called me in for an update, so I'll call you right back. Okay. Okay, great. Hey, Dwight. Uh, send in the subs. <laughs> Man, the smiles beamed around the world, Kevin. I got to say that uh, not our favorite scene. Uh, I guess he says admirably acted. I thought it was just a little, you know, I know other people, I know people love this. I know that they're crying. I know that they think this is the greatest scene of the show maybe ever. It just, uh, it just didn't work for me. It didn't seem earned. It wasn't ready. I don't think it was ready for this to happen. I am so mad that Pam got pregnant. <laughs> Boot. <laughs> what can you kick, though, Kevin? I don't know. Yeah, I think the other thing, too, was the, the line in the earlier clip there where you, so the nurse wheels her in and lays out all these different things. And you're not pregnant, are you? I thought that was the worst part about this whole thing because then it was like, oh, now I know it's coming. Mm -hmm. If they hadn't have included that, at least it would have been better. But among the things that I didn't like about this whole way this was written, that was definitely one of them. I've had a lot of x-rays over the last year. I've had some kidney stone problems and some other things where I've had a few x-rays. And obviously I've never had anyone ask me if I was pregnant, but to me the path of going from an ankle x-ray to finding out that she's pregnant seems tenuous at best. Let me just put it that way. Unless she already knew at which point that whole ending wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, it would have been it would have made a lot more sense if they had, maybe they win the volleyball game and they have their pop and champagne or something like that, and they give a glass to Pam, the star athlete, and she says, well, no, I can't drink because I'm pregnant. That would have been a better way of exposing that, I think, if she knew, like you were saying. <laughs> well, yeah, in this case, I mean, the surprise, whatever. We've talked enough about this at the beginning as far as what we think about it. Interested to see, I, you know, I'm wary. I'm wary to see how it's going to play out, but I'm interested to see what they do with it. 
the show going into another season, another full season, Kevin, it has to do something different, I guess. And and this is something definitely that they can try to use to build some build some episodes on. Uh hopefully it will be more interesting than Baby Shower from this season. Right. <laughs> well, and then we never get to find out in the episode anyway who wins the game. Kind of a bummer. Well, we don't, but we do find that out in the deleted scenes, in fact. Uh, we do go back to see that the subs were placed <laughs> and that Scranton has lost, mostly because they just don't care. Everyone else gave up and were tired of playing. So, the end. <laughs> Yet again, no justice for Jim and and Charles there. Well, Kevin, so that brings us to the close of another season. That makes the third complete season that we've done here on That's What She Said. Um, you know, over any overall thoughts on Season 5 before we move on? I know, again, a lot of people I've seen talking about how they thought this was a great season, a very solid season compared to some of the other ones in the past. Of course, uh, to borrow a term from film spotting, I think we got to put Season 2 in the penalty box. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Everyone knows Season 2 is the best, so let's just not even go there. But how does Season 5 stack up for you? What did you think about that season? Well, I think Season 5 was a very, very solid season, not without its typical peaks and valleys that you get on any series, and there definitely were some valleys. I think the issue for for me, to borrow another phrase from film, film spotting, the, the conclusion of the season really is very important. And when you go back to season two or season three or even season four, the last bit is very, very important. And to me, because I'm bummed out on this pregnancy thing, it's got a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. And I know other people really like the pregnancy thing. I hear what you're saying, but you're completely wrong. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of the phrase from film spotting. But overall, I really did like season five. I really liked the Michael Scott Paper Company stuff. I really liked the Holly stuff. That really worked for me. I liked that we got a little bit more Daryl this season, which was great. So, And I did like the Pam stuff, too. So overall, a very good season. Uh, you know, obviously not quite up to season two form, but right up there with season three and four, in my mind. Like a lot of the episodes this season, actually, it, it has moments of brilliance, also with some other moments that I wasn't too thrilled with. Uh, the Holly stuff at the beginning of the year, that was very strong. But the Pam and Art School plotline, that just felt like it went nowhere. Um, then we kind of muddled around in the middle of the season until we got into the Michael Scott Paper Company plotline, where that was just through the, you know, it was through the roof. Love that whole thing. We've talked about that enough. And then we've kind of got these last three episodes that sort of ended on a bit of a weird note. This one was okay as a finale. You know, we talked about the last two episodes before this, Cafe Disco and Casual Friday as being rather sort of weak episodes. So it's kind of, you know, like a roller coaster, man. High highs, low lows. And so I'm I'm a little mixed. I, I really did enjoy it. I think overall it, it stands up. I do think it stands up a little bit better than season three. And season four being cut off, we'll never exactly know what that could have achieved. But... You know, I do have to say I, I did enjoy the season despite some of those lows and looking forward to seeing how they spin this out next season. Well, Kevin, that brings us to the section of the show where we talk about our sponsors. And once again this week, we are brought to you by Audible.com, and they're offering for our listeners a free audiobook credit for signing up 
This is a two-week trial. Uh, you sign up, you get one free audiobook credit. Keep in mind, though, that some longer books can be more than one credit. So, uh, But if you go for one of those longer books, then you get that discount. You get that one credit for free. So if it's three credits, you only have to pay for two credits. Uh, if it's only one credit, hey, then you're out Nothing you can cancel at any time. A couple of things we mentioned this last time. There are a few things on there you can download all the seasons of the Ricky Gervais podcast uh, for free. Under that deal, you can also download the audio from the 2007 interview with the Office cast at the Paley Festival. So those are a couple of things to keep in mind if you haven't listened to those already. Thousands and thousands of different downloads, uh, audiobook downloads for you to put onto your iPod or other listening device. I actually just saw that uh, they have support for Zune players and they just released an Audible program for Blackberries this last week. So you have no excuse. If you like audio entertainment, if that stretch of that's what she said, no episodes is getting you down, then head on over to Audible and check it out. That is audible.com slash she said. And we're also sponsored this week by Netflix, which is a great service where you can rent DVDs by mail and also watch thousands of shows instantly. You can get a two-week free trial by going to netflix.com slash TWSS. We have plans starting from $4.99 per month, over 1,000 DVD titles to choose from, including classics to new releases to TV series. A great choice this week would be Slumdog Millionaire. <laughs> if you haven't caught up and seen that movie, this is a perfect time to rent it and then watch that episode of The Office again to catch all the jokes. Uh, for DVD titles, keep each movie as long as you want. No late fees ever. Free shipping both ways and a prepaid return envelope. Very, very convenient. Free delivery in about one business day, and you can cancel at any time. And as a bonus to the DVDs, you can watch some movies over the Internet from a smaller library of over 12,000 choices and very few new releases. Uh, as Matt mentioned earlier, you have The Office, including the British episodes, so those would be great ways to check out those uh, for no extra charge. And again, just go to netflix.com slash TWSS. Yeah, you know, uh, Hulu is great, but there are only a very few number of episodes that are ever posted there uh, with this service from your PC or from your Xbox 360 or your Netflix-enabled Blu-ray DVD player. You can watch at any time, Kevin, think about that, any episode of The Office at any time you so desire. Don't even bother getting out your DVDs. Uh, any messages? Yeah, just a fact. Oh, Hammond is from corporate. How many times have I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? Yeah. Well, the waste paper basket. <laughs> <laughs> Why I didn't uh, want to get it? You put it in the garbage can that was a special filing cabinet. Yeah, uh, that was a joke. All right, well, Kevin, that is the season finale, but The Office still lives on, at least for two more weeks anyway. Uh, the new webisode series, Blackmail, has debuted on May 7th. Uh, the second episode aired on the 14th, and then we still have episodes on the 21st and the 28th to look forward to. Now, you can check those out either at Hulu.com or on NBC.com. The series was directed by B.J. Novak, written by the Outburst writers Jonathan Hughes and Nate Fetterman. And the first episode deals with Creed blackmailing Oscar. The second episode, Creed and Andy 
Um, I'm making a point to not watch them till the whole thing is ready, I think, and then watch it all the way through. And you can count on Kevin and I discussing blackmail on a future That's What She Said episode. All right, NBC announced that The Office will keep its 9 p.m. time slot next season. It will air opposite Grey's Anatomy, CSI, and Fringe. And the rest of the NBC Thursday lineup is at 8 p.m., the SNL Weekend Update Thursday during the fall, and then Community after the fall. That's a new show with Joel McHale from The Soup. Then we have Parks and Recreation renewed and uh, Matt getting better in the later episodes, I have to say, <laughs> at 8.30. Then we have The Office. And then at 9.30, we have Community. And then post-fall, we have 30 Rock. And then, of course, the Jay Leno Show at 10. So that's what it's going to look like next season for us Office fans. So same time, same channel. All right. And speaking of Parks and Recreation, Kevin, I know that a lot of fans are very split on that show. Uh, it's headed up by, of course, two Office alums, Greg Daniels and Mike Schur, two people who... I can only imagine what this season of The Office would have been like with them being there. Uh, the mind boggles, I guess. The new guys came up with some solid stuff, but but still. Um, Parks and Rec taking a while to warm up, just kind of like the first season of The Office. Uh, the f- last episode, the season finale of, of the show, I really enjoyed. Good feel to it. Um, the last episode you said you thought was kind of feeling it, finding its voice, and you were excited to see it. Now, we threw this up there on the blog page. And so I'll put this out there to our listeners. Here, uh, one of the things that Kevin and I are thinking of doing during the summer is a Parks and Recreation pilot episode uh, review, as we do here with the office reviews, and then perhaps discuss all the other episodes. We don't intend to do every episode, I don't believe. We don't intend to make this into a podcast on a show that you're not a fan of, but uh, we do think it's worthwhile. We have gotten some feedback, people wanting our uh, our response, so I think that we might fit that in sometime this summer. But we'll do a mix of that and some retro episodes as uh, time permits during exactly. the summer. Exactly. All right, well, uh, NBC, as I mentioned, of course, is, yes, selling those corporate picnic T-shirts. Uh, I don't know if they have them for all the branches. I saw on their page the one for Scranton and the black ones from corporate. So head on over there if you are interested in an interesting summer souvenir. I really like when NBC does these little tie-ins. It's very, very good. Uh, <laughs> great way to get in, in, involved with the show. So, Another way you can get involved with The Office is the That's What She Said podcast listeners group on Facebook. So if you're a Facebook fan, check out that. You can also follow our official That's What She Said Twitter feed at twitter.com slash podcast. And speaking of Twitter, you can now follow Ryan on Twitter. Now, we doubt that B.J. Novak is running this himself, but a new foe for the I Am Kelly Fierce Twitter profile has arrived. Ryan Howard is available at twitter.com slash very underscore angelic, and the R-Y-A-N in the middle there is uh, capitalized, so that's how you get Ryan out of it. Gotcha. You know, I'm not a big fan of the fake tweets, I guess, the people tweeting as their characters. So I'm not really going to be looking at that very closely, uh, but you can check that out if you are so inclined. And a few other ones you can follow if you want to follow Kevin or I, our personal accounts, and find out information such as what we had for lunch, what we're doing on our vacation, and what we think of California's uh, same-sex marriage laws. You can follow <laughs> Kevin at twitter.com slash Crossman or me at 
twitter.com slash summer mat. Um, there are also a few other office personalities on Twitter, so head to nbc.com slash the office, and they have a listing there of all of those accounts. All right, we haven't done cast blogs in a while, Matt, but we've got a couple of good ones here that I wanted to highlight. Mindy Kaling's blog, things that I bought that I love.com. She has fashion advice for summer tees and also Charlotte Ronson dresses. Now, Matt, I know this is not your favorite website, but for some of our other listeners, that might be something to check out if you want to learn more about the insider look at fashion from a Hollywood celebrity. Um, Rain Wilson, of course, is prolific on Twitter, and we don't go through every one of his Twitters, but this was a pretty fun one. He Twittered, flying to New York City today. Wonder who I'll sit by. What's the weirdest celeb you've ever sat near? And then he Twittered a little bit later, sitting next to the incredibly lovely Melanie Griffith. She's watching me Twitter. Perv. Dustin Hoffman, a.k.a. Hoff, is in front of me. And then later on he Twittered, Dustin Hoffman gave me this gum. And you can see a picture at rain.posterous.com. So, you know, Matt, the last time I sat on the flight, I did not sit next to a couple Oscar winners. But uh, yeah. I guess when you're Rain Wilson... I think his perspective might be a bit skewed, perhaps. Uh, he also has been pimping pretty hard his website, soulpancake.com, these last few weeks. So if you're interested in some philosophical, religious sort of discussion, go check that out as well. There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees. His salary, his bed, and I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. I gotta erase a lot of stuff. Just so you know, if you have any sensitive emails, I need to be deleted immediately. I know. A lot of stuff. All right, a little bit of feedback from That's What She Said, Episode 71, Cafe Disco. All right, well, uh, blog poster Worm took me to task for this episode, said, I appreciate that you guys take the time to break down the episodes, and I do enjoy the podcast, but your lack of insight is becoming, well, troublesome. I'm halfway through this latest podcast, and this idea that Ryan is anorexic is borderline moronic. Five small meals a day obviously relates to his new attempts to get healthy after being a cokehead. But more importantly, his reference to control is all about his life as a temp under Michael. You guys do a great job with production and summary and discussion, but when it comes to analysis, Kevin, it is a disaster. Well, I, I didn't read it that way, Matt, and you did, but I know that you weren't alone in that analysis. Well, that's true, and I mean, nothing against Worm here. You can think, think about me whatever you want. If you want to think I'm a moron, so be it. There's only so many hours of the day to listen to podcasts. But, I mean, quite honestly, uh, that was obviously to me a reference. Anytime anyone mentions control and food in the same sentence, it's, it's, it, it's got to be in your mind talking about an eating disorder. Um, I also, just to see if I was going crazy, I also Googled uh, the search terms there, something like Ryan plus Cafe Disco plus anorexia or something, and came up with a few hits, three or four different hits, at major places. The Entertainment Weekly blogger also mentioned Ryan's manorexia. Um, one of the other bloggers at uh, TV, was it Zap to it? I can't remember one of the other TV blogs mm-hmm. mentioned it. So, moronic? I don't think so. Let's talk about Company Picnic. Let's get some feedback from Luke A. 
Bummed there was no game-changing twist between Michael and Holly or Charles and Jim, but I love the sketch, the games, Dwight's friend, and the wordless reveal at the end of the episode. I guess we're so used to major twists in the finale that even this seems tame in comparison. It doesn't seem as much of a game-changer as some of the other finales, that's for sure. All right, Karen F. had this to say, Watched two great things last night, The Hurricanes Advance, and yet another great performance from Steve Carell. I know all anyone will talk about is the other thing, but I think the hidden gem in this last episode was the touching Michael and Holly story. Carell was communicating so much with his eyes and his face when he was with Amy Ryan, and the two of them are gold together. I hope they have the long story and the other thing is the short one. She also says, I think I'll reserve judgment over whether or not Pam's pregnancy goes too far. It could actually be funny, but the audience knows, and the writers should know, that babies on sitcoms and other TV shows are limiting in their possible storylines and actually turn viewers off. I hope we just don't have one of those contrived awkward scenes with Dwight delivering Pam and Jim's love child on the conference room table in the middle of a workday, which I can totally see them doing. Ew. Well, anybody that butters up a watermelon, Kevin, I suppose they will go there. Yeah, and I'm sure the Schroots are known for their birthing skills. You know, <laughs> I can see that talking head coming a mile away. Well, uh, Rachel wrote, I loved Michael this episode. If Steve Carell doesn't at least get an Emmy nom, if not the Emmy, he is being robbed. He was brilliant, and I want the office crew to chain Amy Ryan to their set and make her never leave. Holly and Michael are too perfect for each other. Matt, I agreed with you and thought that Holly would seem like a distant memory, but her and Michael immediately clicked back in. When they were practicing, I wanted so badly for Michael to lean in and kiss her, but I think the way things played out was even better. He got to spend time with Holly, and he had some good personal growth. Well, that makes me shed a tear almost. That analysis <laughs> by Rachel there. Yeah, it was uh, very well said. All right, well, uh, Mallory had this to say via email. The cliffhanger, while very predictable, was incredibly heart-touching. I love Jim's reaction. The beautiful euphoria and bliss on his face was beautifully acted. That's the draw to the Jam storyline, how truly and completely he loves her. There isn't a second of horror, worry, panic, i.e. that commitment-phobic guy that every sitcom thinks is so funny. His reaction, while shocked, was happiness, pride, and true excitement. It was refreshing, the exact reaction any woman would want from a man she loved at a time like that. It made me fall in love with Jam all over again. I felt that the relationship as strongly as I did in Casino Night and was glad that the writers made such a euphoric, magical moment for those characters. So, Kevin, there is one of those people <laughs> who is very <laughs> unlike us, <laughs> very unlike you and I in our take on that episode, thought it was wonderful and magical and beautiful. And I don't know, to me, the appeal of the Jim and Pam love affair is not that they're perfect for each other and that they have just this wonderful, fantastical love for each other, I think it's grown. I mean, at the beginning, the Jim and Pam thing was about unattainable love. Jim was the everyman, the kind of schlubby little guy who, even though he looked like a supermodel, couldn't get the girl that he liked. And we dealt with his heartbreak, and it was just one heartbreak after another. When they finally got together, you know, when Casino Night happened, it was just so magic. That, to me, was magical. That brought them together. Uh, then, of course, they separated them. They played a bunch of games with them during Season 3. And I was almost gone. I almost lost it there. But then they recaptured it in the job. I really enjoyed that. Again, thought that was very heartwarming. Actually did feel a tear in my eye there. Last year, not so much. Once they got together, there's really no tension with that. We get the Jan thing. And 
I, mean, I don't know. I'm still not sold. I, that's not why I love Jim and Pam, I guess. Everyone has their own take on the characters. But, uh, you know, I'm interested in seeing it. I'm not really that in love with the whole jam thing anymore, but they're interesting characters, and I'm interested to see how this plays out. Yeah, I want to see them grow as people more than just seeing them be a couple, I think. But, um, you know, that's what she said. We are here to present both sides. And Michelle also wrote via email, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. It definitely brightens my walk to and from the subway. All in all, I think it was a fantastic episode. I didn't realize that I missed Holly until she came back and I saw how she, good she is with Michael. Their skit cracked me up. Well, I think she's one of the only people that it did, but I, I did laugh at the torture scenes. <laughs> Regarding the last scene with Jim and Pam, I thought it was excellent. Granted, I think it's a little early for them to have a baby, but I thought it was a very realistic scene, and I bought it. I trust the writers to integrate it into the show. Jim and Jenna did some of their best acting ever in that episode. And I talked a little bit earlier about the acting. Um, I don't know that I trust the writers, however. <laughs> well, after this season, I think they've earned a little bit of trust, but we'll see what happens with that. Just to go back a little bit to what Mallory said in her email before, uh, I, 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 the thing of Jim being so ecstatic, that's one thing, I guess, but it, would Pam really realistically be that so excited about this? I mean, she's worked all season. She worked so hard to get a new job and to, to get herself respected and everything, and wouldn't she have some doubts? Wouldn't she be a little taken aback by all this? I think there's so utter perfect joy is the thing that maybe really didn't sell me on the scene. Well, I would say that they've presented Pam in, in many cases as your typical, I want to have kids and I want to be a mom type of thing, not so much the career-oriented person who just, you know, career at all costs, kind of like Jan was early in the series. So in that respect, I do buy her being happy about pregnant, especially when it's, you know, Jim's baby and not Ryan's or something like that. <laughs> Okay, Matt R. had this to say, hopefully they are either screwing with us and it's something other than a baby, or they write Pam off the show, a la Jan, because that's the only way the office will weather a child. I'm willing to embrace Aaron as the new Pam after this steamer of a finale. So, <laughs> obvious a bit, obviously a bit more along the lines of our opinion, I guess, there, Kevin. Well, the hits keep coming on that regard. Steve S. wrote, that's it? That's how they ended the entire season? Really? WTF, man. W the friggin' F. <laughs> well, what can you really say about that? <laughs> well, I think let's, let's end on a, a little bit of a lighthearted note here. We talked a lot about jumping the shark. This is a reference, of course, to the Happy Days episode where Fonzie jumped the shark. It was the epitome of a show going downhill. Well, let's get some feedback on Jump the Shark. Christine wrote, Sorry, guys. Jump the Shark doesn't work anymore. It's all about nuking the fridge from the new Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> all right. Alex uh, sarcastically said, the term jumping the shark has jumped the shark. <laughs> Garu wrote, I think it should be called a Cousin Oliver, not jump the shark. Like <laughs> well, actually, see, the thing is with that Gru's comment there is that Cousin Oliver is a sub category of jumping the shark jumping the shark has many things to look at and one of the things on the list is a birth so that's one of them uh, another thing on the list is they did it which is where two characters with uh, the show is based on their chemistry 
not being together finally get together, a la Moonlighting or Cheers, for mm -hmm. example. And one of the other mm -hmm. categories is then called the Cousin Oliver, and that's, of course, a reference to the Brady Bunch with the stupid Cousin Oliver character, uh, with having Leonardo DiCaprio come on Growing Pains, with, I don't know, I guess maybe George Clooney on Facts of Life. Anytime they add a new character kind of out of the blue to a well-established show in its later years, uh, that is another symbol of possible shark jumpitude. So Kaiser Soje, though, run, ended it off with a very office-appropriate comment there. He said, yeah, let's not use the term jump the shark. Let's go with lick the cat. Uh, that is the email of the week. <laughs> All right, Kevin, well, that is going to do it for us for another season there, putting the capper in Season 5. Join us in, well, I don't know, guys, in some number of random weeks <laughs> for Episode 72. Um, I'm getting on to finals period here at work and in summer vacation, so I'm a little less inclined to produce the That's What She Said episodes, but we will definitely try to get at least one episode per month here during June, July August and September before the new season picks up. Well, send any comments or constructive compliments or death threats to TWSSpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com and visit the show blog page at TWSSpodcast.com. If you have a chance, please leave positive feedback on iTunes and spread the word in the various The Office-related forums. Every little bit helps. Music for the episode is provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com. And remember, head on over to nbc.com slash the office during the week for additional deleted scenes, interviews, episode recaps, cast blogs, webisodes, and more. And for Kevin Crossman, I am Matt Summer, and we are out of here. Thanks, guys, for another great season. I got Fozzie Bear tweeted to us about the uh, outtakes at the end of the episode. He says he loves and it makes him feel like he's watching Cannonball Run again. <laughs> well, I guess I am the I'm the Dom DeLuise to your uh, Burt Reynolds. Hello, baby. <laughs> and God bless you, Big Bopper, wherever you may be. Jim and Pam, of course, more than happy once again to be at the picnic. Michael, isn't that Holly? God damn it. We're just friends. Hey, hey, wait a second. All right, you ready for this? Yeah, we walk around, everyone sees our faces, and we leave, right? Yeah. Tell them what happened last year. I had this huge... All right. Well... God.
That is just a massive cluster. I'm sorry. Hold on a second. Are we doing Michael or Office? Yeah, Michael. I don't know why it set that up that way. Okay. I just <laughs> I, stupid. Okay. Whatever. Let me just let's just stop and restart this.